I'm excited about this series that we're going to start next week because it's a whole new look at generosity. Normally, when you have a church that talks about generosity, you know, oh, here comes the giving series. Here's the four weeks I'm not going to be there because they're going to be talking about money. If you think the series is about money, you're, you're missing the whole point. We've talked a lot in the last few months, maybe even the course of this year. We want to be known as a generous church, that we're generous not just on Sunday morning when the offering is passed, but that we live lives of generosity outside the walls of this church. And so we're going to talk about that for four weeks, so I hope you'll be here for that series. We continue today and finish our series called Defining Moments. Uh, this has been one of the best series of the year. Uh, it's been really impactful just for me personally. I hope it's meant a lot to you. If you've missed any of the series, you can go online, go to corechurch.com, and you can uh, download the series or listen to the series right there online. But today, we are in the last week, and today what I want to talk to you about is prayer and your defining moment. What does prayer have to do with your defining moment. And if you have a Bible, let's open them up. Let's go to Acts, Acts chapter 12. That's in the New Testament. So if you've got a paper Bible, it's about three-fourths of the way through that paper Bible. Or if you have a mobile device, go to corechurch.com and you can download the Bible right there. Um, I'm going to be preaching out of the New Living Translation, so look for the NLT. If you don't have a Bible, they're free. We got them in the Next Steps room. So if you're brand new to Core Church and you just say, I don't have a Bible, after the service, go to the Next Steps room. It's right by the front doors, and we will give you a free Bible today. Acts chapter 12 is where we are. Now, Acts is written by a guy named Luke who was a follower of Jesus, and uh, he converted to Christianity, and he heard the stories of the early church, and he, he wrote them all down. And so the book of Acts is where we learn the stories of how the church got birthed, how it spread, different concepts and things that they did. And so Acts chapter 12, and through this series, we've been talking about Peter. We've been looking at the life of Peter and the defining moments in his life. And this is one of the defining moments from Peter's life. So let's look at that. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. And he had the apostle James, which was John's brother, and also, by the way, Peter's best friend, Peter's best friend, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. And this took place during the Passover celebration. Then they imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. In other words, he was going to execute Peter as well. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And then look what happens. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. He was fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was this bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. And then the angel told him this, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But I like this. But all the time, he, he thought it was a vision. In other words, he just thought he was having this really cool dream. And he didn't realize it was actually happening. And they passed the first and the second guard post, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left them. 
Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Let's pray as we begin to hear what God has to say to us today. Father, thank you for giving us the gift of your word. Uh, In just these few minutes that we have, will you just speak to us? Will you help us to understand clearly what you want to say? Um, Church, I want to ask you, you you just pray for the people around you. Uh, You don't pray out loud, but just you may know them. They might be friends or family, or you may not have any idea who that person is. But we are all here in this moment to hear from the Holy Spirit. He wants desperately to speak to each one of us, but we got to prepare our hearts to hear from him. So just pray for those people around you. Pray, pray for your own heart. God, prepare my heart. What do you want to say to me today? And I would also ask and covet your prayers for me as your pastor that I would speak uh, only what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear uh, today. So if you're ready to hear from God, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Well, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. It's that one holiday of the year that's just kind of tossed into the middle of summer when everybody's on vacation, and we do the, oh, oh that's right, we did the Mother's Day thing, now we got to do the Father's Day thing. So, but thank you. How many of you got a big Father's Day greeting, dads, this morning? How many of you got that? Oh, congratulations to you, uh, because I was sitting at the breakfast table this morning while my beautiful daughter walked by, groggy like this. I said, hey, good morning. And she's like, oh, good morning. It's a special day. It's a special day. Mother's Day, there were cards everywhere, flowers, special breakfast, signs all over the place. There wasn't even a cereal bowl out this morning for me. But, but this is what I love, though, for dads, and every dad would agree with this. this. This is, you know, all year long we're like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. This is our one day, isn't it, where we get to do whatever we want. Nobody got, like, I am going today and I am renting American Sniper and nobody can stop me. Laura's going to have to sit and watch it. It's the one time I'm picking the movie, okay? I'm not watching something with Meg Ryan anymore. I'm watching something with a gun where somebody gets shot, okay? In, in a nice way. I mean, that in a, is it okay to say that? This pastor is off his, what did he just say? I'm sorry, uh, but I, I love, uh, this is a great day, so I hope you have a, a fantastic Father's Day, but let's, let's just be honest, the, the sole purpose of every dad in life, where the only reason we're around is to fix stuff. That's, that's why you keep us around, because we can, we can fix stuff, not necessarily very well, but we, we fix stuff, and I'm just telling you, the, the, the day that we can't fix stuff is the day that she is going to put you out to pasture like an old dog. She's going to put you down, okay? That's why dads fake it and act like we can fix stuff. You're like, you need, you, you, that's not a fix. You're like, but we're faking it just so you'll keep us around. And we are notoriously bad at fixing stuff. And we, we are really notorious at taking shortcuts. We love shortcuts. If there's a quicker way to fix it, we're going to take that shortcut. Let me, let me give you an example. For example, if you ever had like the handle break off of the shower, okay, normally you could go down to the hardware store and you would get a new handle for like four or five bucks. But why would you do that when you could go out into the garage and get a pair of these bad boys? Huh? Fixed. It's go- 
good. I think you, when you go on a trip, you ever been on a long trip with little kids and you got to have that little DVD player and you got to kind of mount it between the two seats, you know, but you can't find the straps? Do, do you go down to the store and buy new straps? No. Why would you do that when you got some of these in the trunk? Bungee cords. Those are great. I mean, they might snap and take out an eye, but hey, it's fine. Bungee cords, I love that. Or um, maybe, maybe the car, the car's having trouble and it, it needs some, some repair to it. Do you take it to the body shop where they're going to charge you hundreds of dollars? Heck no. Not when you got some of this in your garage. Duct tape. See that everywhere, don't we? Here's the ultimate shortcut, though. The ultimate shortcut that you would only see in Oklahoma, okay? You, I guarantee somebody's probably seen this somewhere, but this dad, he wins the prize for the ultimate shortcut. Check out what this guy, right here. Do you see it? He, got, he can't find his holster. Hey, it's an open carry state, baby. I'm going to Walmart and I can't find my holster. So he grabs a belt and a flip-flop. Does anybody want to run into that guy at Walmart? No way. No. I mean, we, we love shortcuts. In fact, I, I would say all of us, we, we love shortcuts. We, we want the easy, quick fix. We, we don't want to go through the struggles and setbacks. We don't want trouble. We don't want anything to be difficult. We just want something to be nice and easy. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. In, in this series, we've been talking about defining moments. And we've been talking about how God has defining moments for each one of us in our lives. All kinds of different ways in which God gets involved. And he has these moments that just define who we are and what we're going to be. But unfortunately, with every defining moment, there are struggles and there are setbacks. Every defining moment has struggles and setbacks. So what do we want? We want the shortcut, right? We want to take the shortcut. We don't want to go through the struggles and the setbacks. I don't want those, and we'll do anything we can to take a shortcut to avoid that. But let me tell you very clearly today, there are no shortcuts to a defining moment. There are no shortcuts to a defining moment. Turn to the person next to you and tell them there is no shortcut to your defining moment. Every defining moment has to go through struggles and setbacks. You may have a relationship that needs to be repaired. That you're, you're praying for this defining moment when this relationship will be made whole and complete again. But guess what? On the way to that defining moment, there's going to be some setbacks and there's going to be some struggles as you prepare for that moment in fixing that relationship. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not about fixing a relationship. Maybe you're hoping for a relationship. Maybe you're here today and you're single. And you, you just, you're praying to God that he's going to bring that man or, or that woman or that, uh, along your path that is going to be that defining moment where you meet them and, and they're, they're the one. But there's going to, guess what, there's going to be struggles and setbacks. Listen, you're going to go out on a date and the guy's going to show up with the flip-flop, okay? You're, there's going to be some setbacks. You may, may have some health issues and some struggles and you're, you're praying for that, that defining moment 
when God comes through, he answers the prayer, and he heals you. But guess what? There's going to be setbacks, and there's going to be struggles. Some of you might be your career. I mean, God has has clearly told you this is the career path I want you to go on, and so you you step out and and, and to embrace that defining moment, and, and, and it doesn't go as you plan. There's some setbacks, and there's struggles. We talked through the series about how God also has these defining moments of ministry, that ministry isn't just for the paid professionals, but it's for all of us. We're all called into ministry. And so maybe there's a ministry that God has, has birthed inside of you, like there's, there's a wrong in this world that needs to be righted, and, and God has stirred you up to, to do something about it, and you're like, I'm taking on that cause. I'm going to do that. That's the one that God has for me. Well, guess what? There's going to be struggles, and there's going to be setbacks. Struggles and setbacks are all part of every defining moment. So if there's no shortcuts, how do we get through our struggles and our setbacks? I really think we get some good answers here in Acts chapter 12. So I invite you to go back to Acts chapter 12. The early church is facing an incredible setback. You're talking about struggles and setbacks. It is not going well for them. Look back at verse 1. Let's read this again. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, Peter's best friend, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Now, I want you to get the context of what's going on here. The, the, The church is less than 10 years old at this point. If you you remember, we talked about, a few weeks ago, we talked about Pentecost, and at Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. Peter gets up and preaches this incredible sermon. Thousands come to to God and and in faith in Jesus Christ, and then more thousands come to God, and a few years go by, and this guy named Saul starts persecuting the church, but then he has this miraculous conversion. God changes his name to Paul. He becomes the very first missionary. He gets in a boat. He starts going out all over the world, so the church now has gone from thousands to tens of thousands thousands. It is spreading like crazy. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, James, one of the key figures in the church, is arrested and killed. Then, on top of that, Peter, if you don't know who Peter is, Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to use you to start the church. So Peter is now arrested. He is awaiting execution. Everything is falling apart. Everything's going great, and then everything starts falling apart. If you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down. When you embrace your defining moment, brace for the enemy. Okay? When you embrace your defining moment, you need to brace for the enemy. Here's why. He he doesn't want to see the purposes and the plans of God fulfilled in your life. And the moment you step into what God has destined for you, the enemy's going to step into the middle of that defining moment and shake things up and try to get you off course and get you to give up on what God birthed in you. Let me give you just a small example of that. We uh, we're at Core Community a couple of weeks ago. Core Community, as you heard earlier, uh, is once a month, first Wednesday of every month, we gather right out here in the lobby, and it's a time of prayer and a time of worship. 
And the Spirit of God shows up in that environment like nothing I have seen before. I mean, it is just supernatural what's happening in that environment. If you've not come, you're missing it. You're just flat out missing it. It's unbelievable what's taking place. And so at the last one, we had this time of prayer and worship and singing. And in the midst of that, I just felt like God said, I want you to pray over the marriages that are here and and pray over them. I want to seal them until they die or until I come back. So I stepped up and I I just said, hey, if you're here and you're here with your spouse, I want you just to stand and I want you to grab a hold of their hand and here's what I believe God wants to do right now. I believe the Spirit of God wants to seal every marriage that's represented here tonight. And so couples stood up and they held hands and Laura came up and she stood with me and she held my hand. Laura and I have been married over 30 years and, and I said, I think God wants to see many of us get to 50. I think God wants some of us to be the old people in this church that the young people look to. That we finish strong. And so I said, we're going to pray and we're going to believe the Holy Spirit is going to seal these marriages. And so, man, we just, we just prayed. And you could just tell, those that were there, they could testify to this. You could just tell that the Spirit of God fell in that room. And the Spirit of God came and said, I'm going to seal these marriages. And I felt it upon myself and for Laura. And I left and I was like, man, praise God because I want my marriage to finish strong. So we go home that night, and guess what? All hell breaks loose. Lord, I, we, I can't remember the last time we really scrapped it up. I mean, I, we, we bicker, you know, kind of nitpick and stuff like that, but we've never, we don't get up in each other's grill. We just don't do that that often. I think the last time we did that was the Gone with the Wind incident from a couple <laughs> decades ago. <laughs> to listen to the podcast to get that one. Uh, I mean, but we get home, and the next thing I know, we are in each other's face. And she is just intense, and I'm intense, and I'm really intense because I'm right. And I'm hoping she's going to come around, and if she would just come around to my side, this fight would be over. Can I get an amen from the people? (laughs) Thank you. Why does that happen? Because the moment you step into your defining moment, the enemy steps right into the middle of your defining moment. The enemy doesn't like it when you step into your defining moment. He doesn't like it when you pursue the things and the purposes of God for your life. You want to rebuild a relationship? He's going to step into the middle of that. And he's going to mess with it. You want to get free from the sickness that God doesn't intend for you and that you want God to heal you? Guess what? He's going to step into the middle of that and he's going to mess you up. you got a ministry you believe God's birthing in you? Guess what? The enemy's going to step right into the, to the middle of that. You know where I really see this? is when people make a commitment to follow Jesus. I see this a lot. People will, on a Sunday morning, and we'll do, at the end of this service, we're going to talk about, hey, you're not a follower of Jesus. We're going to welcome you become a follower of Jesus, but when you become a follower of Jesus, when you, when you make that commitment, when you raise your hand and say, I'm surrendering everything to Jesus today, I'm, I'm going to follow him, that's when the enemy steps into the middle. He don't want you following Jesus, and he will come at you, and I see him do that time and time again with people that follow Jesus. I, I saw this happen just a few weeks ago. We had, on Pentecost Sunday, there were, people were four deep across 
down the aisles. Over 150 people came forward that Sunday, on Pentecost Sunday, to say, I fully surrender my life to the Holy Spirit. You know what happens after you do that? The enemy steps in to that defining moment. So, oh, no, 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 no. You are not going to fully surrender your life to Jesus. No way. And he will push, and he will pull, and he will tug, and struggles and setbacks will start coming your way because he doesn't want to see the purposes and plans of God in your life be fulfilled. Let's look back at, at Peter, and let's see what happened here. In the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the setback, what did the church do? Verse 5, but while Peter was in prison, the church did what? They, they what? They they prayed very earnestly for him. It, it doesn't say while Peter was in prison, the church worried about him. It doesn't say, hey, while the church was, uh, while, while Peter was in prison, that the church panicked. It, it doesn't say while Peter was in prison, that well, the church, they just gave up. Well, I mean, they killed James. They've come for Peter. I'm out. <laughs> See ya, because I'm not going to be next. No. What does it say that they did? They prayed. They, the church called a prayer meeting. That was their answer to persecution. That was their answer to a struggle and a setback. If you're taking notes, write this down. Prayer positions you for your defining moment. This is so key and such a miss by so many followers of Jesus. Prayer positions you for your defining moment. Struggles and setbacks drove the church to prayer. When pain came to the church, it drove them to prayer. This, this is what pain will do in your life. You ever notice that? When pain comes your way, you ever notice when things are going great, you don't pray as much? You don't, you, you don't think about God as much when things are going great, but you let something go wrong? You let a little pain come into your life? Man, and it will drive you to your knees. I mean, I... I see all kinds of things that cause people to um, fall away, or I've, I, I watch all kinds of, of little things that will like keep people out of church. Just little things will keep people out of church. A chance of rain will keep people out of church. I mean, it's, well, it just might rain today, and I know I know that first parking lot's going to be full, and then I'm going to have to park in that second parking lot. They don't have any umbrellas, and I just got this new blouse, and I can't. And then I'm going to get in there, and my hair, and I just. Let's just stay home. Let's just stay home. Well, yeah, I got a ball game. You know, my eight-year-old's got a ball game. And uh, I'll be there. This is a pretty important game. I mean, this is, this, is, this is crucial to his career. I mean, he's eight, but uh, everything hinges on this t-ball game. So we would be there because we all know that, right? That Sunday game that you got to be at for your eight-year-old or your 11-year-old. They got to be there for that game. We know how critically important that sets them up for the future and how ridiculous it is for them to be in the house of God. Am I preaching now? Stepping on people, but it's truth. There's nothing more important than being in the house of God. I've never met a single Christ follower who says to me, I'm so glad growing up that my dad and mom drug me out to the soccer field and the baseball field and the football field and I missed church. It was the best thing ever happened to me. Never met a, a Christ follower who said that. I met Christ followers who said, you know what? I grew up, I've heard so many stories like this. I grew up, church doors were open, my butt was in the seat. That's where I was. 
I mean, if they were open, I was there. That was my story. And uh, you know what? I'm so glad that happened for me. Now, let me step off here because some of y'all are getting really super uncomfortable because I know some of y'all got your kids in sports and all that. I've got four kids. I'm a supporter of you sports. I love you sports. My kids have all played sports at one time or another. But listen, we never miss church. Even when I wasn't on staff, even when I was just uh, this, uh, this guy in the radio industry, there were times when my, my son played AAU basketball, traveling team. And I, you, some of you heard me tell this story before, traveling team. And we played weekend tournaments. And, and so I'd say, okay, well, he can play on Sunday. So you can find a church for us to go to. So we'd be somewhere in Kansas playing at some little small podunk little M-A-Y-B tournament that would, to win this huge trophy that now is in the attic. And we'd be there, and the coaches would be all scrambling, calling, trying to find some church somewhere. We would end up at the craziest churches, too, because they'd be like, yeah, they got one. It's at like 5.30 a.m. It's a Korean church. They don't speak English, but okay, cool. We're going. We'll be at the game. Do so you know what? My son grows up. Do you think he talks about all of those things? And, man, Dad, thank you so much. Dad, thank you so much for putting me in those tournaments. Dad, thank you so much for that. It was a great experience, by the way. It was really good for him, very good for him to be a part of that. He learned teamwork, learned to work with others, learned how to win, learned how to lose. It was such a great experience. But you know what? His butt was in church. He learned what it meant to love God, to serve God, to follow God, to, to lean on God, to trust God. And now guess what? He's married. He's got kids. And guess what he's doing? Teaching his children to love God, serve God, follow God. That's what we got to do. I'm way off topic. <laughs> I am way off topic. Somebody needed to hear that today, okay? So that's uh, for you. And But he, here's, here's what happens. So, so you... you you let a little pain come, come into your life, and ain't nothing going to keep you out of church. Am, am I right? I mean, you get some pain in your life, you're like, get up, we're going to church. But we got the ball game. Just call the coach. I don't care. Just call him. We're going to the house of God. I got to get in that prayer line. You know, that's how, how we are, right? The kid gets up, and the kid's a little bit cranky, and normally you'd be like, oh, man, he's just he's a little cranky today. I'm just tired, too. Let's stay home. No, when pain comes into your life, I don't care how cranky. You're spanking that kid's butt all the way to church. You get to church right now. Jesus loves you. I mean, hey, let some pain come into your life. You'll find the doors of the church. Pain drives us to prayer. God will use pain in our lives to drive us to prayer. He'll allow pain to come into our lives at times just so that he can get our attention. Pain will drive you to prayer. So here's the church. They're in pain. They're, they're experiencing pain. James has been killed. That's pain. Peter, the leader of the church, has now been arrested, and he's awaiting execution. And this is bad, too, man. Listen to this. He's got four squads of four soldiers, okay? He's, he's got two lines of soldiers that he's had to go through. They don't have him just locked up. They've got him in the deep inner cell. They don't just have him locked up. They've got him chained next to soldiers, and they've got this massive iron gate dead bolted and locked, okay? This is a bad day. I mean, this is one of these, are you kidding me moments. Have you ever had one of those? You know what I mean? Where, where nothing is going right, you're doing everything right, but nothing's going right, and you're like, are you 
kidding me, God? I, I remember years ago when, when I lost my job, when I was in the radio industry and I was out of work and I had unsteady employment, okay? I, was, I could not get back into my career field and I was taking just odd jobs, cutting hams, throwing newspapers, doing whatever I had to do to try to feed my family, making minimum wage. It was miserable and I was just like, are you kidding me, God? I remember sitting in a, in a Bible study. I was with a group of my, my friends, these guys that supported me through this, and they're still good friends to this day. And we were sitting around, and one of the guys came in. I'll never forget this moment. And we're sitting up there, and he goes, hey, guys, got a praise report. He goes, hey, uh, I, praise God, I, I got a promotion and a raise. Sorry, Brad. Are you kidding me? I remember that I tried to get a job one time as a custodian at a church, and they said, you're overqualified. Are you kidding me? I can push a broom. I need work. There was a point where I couldn't even find work in Tulsa, and so I got a job in Oklahoma City digging graves. I remember being in the graveyard six feet under thinking, it doesn't get any lower than this right here. Just pour the dirt on me right now. Are you kidding me? I leave that job. I drive home. I'm coming home on the turnpike. A deer jumps the median, hits my car, wrecks the whole front end of it. Are you kidding me? I get out of the car. The deer is over here. He's just flopping. He's still alive. He's just flopping. He's kind of looking at me. Did you not see the deer crossing sign, you idiot? What are you doing? And so I go and I get, I'm not kidding you, I go and I get the tire iron because I didn't have a gun, and the guy with the flip-flop was not riding shotgun with me. Uh, so I, I get this tire iron, and I'm like, and I just look at this deer, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? And I wanted to hit him. I didn't hit him because for you, the Bambi lovers, there's not a lot of them in Oklahoma. Uh, I drove to the toll booth, and it was before cell phones. I said, hey, there's a deer, and he's flopping back there, and I just wasn't going to take a chance. But I was like, are you are you kidding me? This is, this is the early church. I mean, you have these, these moments where everything is going wrong. You're, you're doing everything right, but everything's going wrong. Let me say this again. Prayer positions you for your defining moment. Prayer positions you for your defining moment. Look what happened to Peter when the church prayed. Verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial... He was what? Asleep. Asleep, really? I mean, your, your, your best friend has just been killed. You're now on death row. You're awaiting execution. They're going to kill you the next morning. You're shackled between soldiers, and you're sleeping? Do you know why he was sleeping? He was sleeping, I believe, because the church was praying. He was praying. The church was praying. And while the church was praying, it brought a peace over Peter that he, he just was consumed. The Holy Spirit was over him, and he was able to sleep. See, in moments like this, when everything is falling apart, you got to have the people of God praying for you and supporting you. When you're going through it, the struggles and the setbacks, you got to have the people of God there for you. Have, you. have you ever had somebody pray for you? I mean, like they, they put their hand out and they, and they do the out loud. Not the, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. Don't do that. If you're going to pray for somebody, just stop and pray. I don't care if it's here in, in the auditorium. I don't care if it's in the lobby. I don't care if it's at Walmart. I don't care if it's in the parking lot. I don't care if it's at work. 
you can tell somebody you're praying for them, but my recommendation is when you start to say, I'm going to be praying for you, you should stop right then if you're a follower of Jesus and say, can I pray for you right now? That's what you should say. And you should not say, well, pastor, I don't know how to, I don't know, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? If you know how to talk, you know how to pray. I mean, really. So that, that's what the early church is doing here. They, they start praying for him. And when somebody, I don't know what it is, when somebody begins to pray for you, you can have, be overwhelmed with fear. Fear can just grip you. And, and somebody lays their hand on you and they start praying and that fear just, just melts away. You can have these moments of hopelessness. I mean, these moments where it's just, it, every, it's over. There's no hope with this situation. It's done. Nothing's going to be fixed. It's, I, I, don't, I don't see the light. It's getting darker. I don't know what I'm going to do. And somebody steps in and they, and they put their hands on you or they grab a hold of your hand and they start praying for you. And a peace comes over you. It's It's supernatural. If you wonder why, why is that, Brad? Why is it we can speak words of encouragement over people? And it's okay, but when we pray over people, something different happens. It's because when you pray, it's releasing the Holy Spirit to work in that person's life. You're inviting the Holy Spirit into that moment, and the Holy Spirit then touches their spirit and your spirit, and something supernatural takes place in their life when we pray for one another. That's why at Core Church we are committed to being a praying church. We're committed to it. We're sold out to it. Prayer is everything here. At the end of the service, we're going to have a prayer team that's going to be up here at the front. And we're going to invite you to come and take advantage of that moment and have people pray for you. It's why we have core community and we gather once a month out here to pray together. It's why every Wednesday night a group of people gather right out here in the next steps room every Wednesday night and we pray. You can come at 6.30, you can have us pray for you individually, you can come at 7, and everybody prays together. We don't have any child care for that moment, but you can bring them, we don't care, we gather and we pray. It's why we gather prayer requests, it's why we have a prayer team that prays every day for 30 days. Why? Just so you feel good? No, because we believe in supernatural breakthroughs. We believe in the power of prayer. Something supernatural happens when God's people pray. But here's the thing too, supernatural prayer... And supernatural breakthroughs aren't just reserved for the leaders, okay? It's not just reserved for, i got to have some, somebody special praying for me. i got to have the staff, they need to pray for me, or, or this person needs to pray for me. No, listen to this. When, when Peter was in prison, who was praying? Who was praying? The church was praying. It, you know, it doesn't say in the Scripture, it doesn't say, and, and James was killed and Peter was arrested, so the church ran and looked for Jesus' brother, who was a leader in the church, and said, you got to come pray. It doesn't say, hey, they went, and by the way, get Mary, Jesus' mom, because she's alive at this time. I mean, we got to have the prayer warrior. So we got to get Jesus' brother, Jesus' mom. we got to get him in this prayer meeting or nothing's going to happen. No, no, it says the church prayed. See, when God's people come together to pray, something supernatural takes place. I, I want to put a challenge out to you dads to step up and be the man of prayer in this church and in your family. Be that man. Be that man that says, I'm going to lead the way in prayer. 
I, I'm going to pray for my wife. I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to begin praying for other people. You say, Brad, man, I don't, I don't know anything about prayer. I do not care. Can we as men set that excuse aside? And can we just man up for a minute, put on our big boy pants and say, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to lead my family. Listen, this is the legacy I want and I desire for me personally. I, I don't want my kids and I, I don't want my wife to, to go, oh, man, my dad, he was a great preacher. You know, my dad, he was funny. He's just a funny guy. You know what I like about my dad? Man, my dad was always there. If we had a ball game, dad was always there. And he coached me, coached me all the way through my elementary years. He was at every practice. He was at every game. My dad was dedicated. Those are great things. But you know what I want? I want desperately for my kids and my wife to say, you know what I love about my dad? He was a praying man. He prayed. He believed in faith that God would move mountains. I remember a time when everything was falling apart and we this and that and this other thing. And I just remember my dad, he gathered us around in the living room. And I remember, I remember we prayed. And then God just showed up. I, I, I want my kids to, to be like, you know, man, I, you know what I remember? I just remember every day before school, I'd try to get out the door, and there'd be my dad with that Bible, and we'd be praying. We ain't praying until we leave this house. Oh, man, I remember that. That's the memory I want them to have. I want my wife to have this memory of that when things go wrong and struggles and setbacks come my way, that she sees there's a man who gets on his knees and gets on his face before God and seeks the Almighty Father who has all the answers. Could we do that, men? Could we be those kinds of men? Could we step up in our families, in our church, and say, I'm going to do that? Brad, what does that look like? It, just, it simply means that I'm going to start praying for my kids. I'm going to start praying for them. Every day that I have the opportunity, every day before they go to school, before they go to bed, you know what you need to do? When you, the moment they're born, this is, how I, this is how I did it, okay? The moment that they were born, they're a little baby, and I'm laying them in that crib, and I pray over my kids in that crib, that they grow up to be a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God. And you have purposes and you have plans for this baby. And God, just do whatever you need to do. And, and then they'd get a little bit older and there'd be, we'd have these short little like 13-second prayers because when they're two, they ain't praying very long. So we'd say a quick prayer. And we eat around the table. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to thank God for this food. And as they, they get older and they go through difficulties and struggles, they pray. And guess what? Your kids are going to get older. And I'm, I'm a little older now, so I'm a grandpa too. And, and your kids are going to get older and they're going to move away. Don't stop praying for them. I hit them with a text. Praying for you this morning. In my phone every day is the list of my kids and my, my daughter-in-law and my grandkids. Every day I pray their name out loud that God's purposes and plans will be fulfilled in their life. I just challenge you dads to do that. I challenge you. When you do that, <laughs> man, the atmosphere, if, I'm just telling you, dads, if you do that, the atmosphere is going to change. The atmosphere in your family, the atmosphere in this church is going to be electric. There's nothing that will stop this church or, the, or your family when we become people of prayer. So look what happens here. So the church is praying. In verse 7, it says this, suddenly, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. Such a great picture of prayer. You pray, 
and nothing happens. You pray and nothing happens. Can I get an amen on that? (laughs) You pray and nothing happens and you pray and nothing happens and then suddenly everything changes. Peter's suddenly was the result of the church praying steadily. Peter's suddenly was the result of the church praying steadily. Listen, the church didn't pray just one time. They started praying when Peter was arrested. And then if you fast forward to verse 12, when Peter walks out of prison and he goes to the door and he knocks on the door, guess what they're doing? Praying. The church is praying. So often what happens is we pray and then we get a setback and we give up. Right? I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm praying for that defining moment. I'm praying that God's going to use me and I'm going to start this ministry and good things are going to happen and you step out and then you get a setback. The, the, the funding doesn't come in or, or, or you get a setback because the people don't rally around you. are like, well, okay, it's done. It's over. Or you want God to do something in a relationship and you're praying God's going to do something in that relationship and you pray and then there's a setback and you're like, well, I guess God didn't mean for that relationship to be there. Or you pray and, and you believe in God for a miracle in your life physically and you go to the doctor and he's like, yeah, it doesn't look good. And you're like, yeah, we tried that prayer. It doesn't work. We tried it. It doesn't work. But the church prayed steadily. In other words, Peter gets arrested and the church prays. The church prays, an angel shows up. The church keeps on praying and chains fall off. The church keeps praying and Peter gets up on his feet. The church is praying and he begins to walk. And the church prays and he walks past the first set of guards and they're asleep. And he walks, and then the church prays some more. And guess what? There's another set of guards. Does Peter turn around and go, oh, well, nice try, angel? No. He walks right through these other soldiers. Nobody's paying attention. He comes up to a gate. What happens? The church prays, and the gates open. This is what happens when God's people pray. Chains fall off. Guards fall asleep. Gates open miraculously. Things change when people pray. You know how I know that? Because we've seen supernatural miracles happen in this church that I have no explanation for. I have seen people that I have prayed for and I believed God in faith to heal them and miraculously things change for them. Some of you know Larry Snowbarger had an accident with his eye. He was actually reading the Bible in Haiti and something happened in his eye and he lost the sight in his eye and he came to prayer meeting. We prayed for him and nothing happened. So did we stop praying? No, we kept praying. He goes back to the doctor. Doctor says, you're never going to see out of that eye again. Did we stop praying? No, we kept praying. And then he shows up and he's like, I'm getting a little bit of sight back. So we kept praying. He comes back, a little bit of sight back. To where I talked to him yesterday, almost over a year later, and he's like, I I actually read out of this eye for the very first time. A year ago, a doctor said, you can't ever see again. I prayed with one family because they had some family members that were in an abusive situation. 
And we began to pray that God would protect those children and watch over those, those children, those babies, and, 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 and save them from this abusive situation that they're in. And, and we prayed, and, and nothing happened. You want to talk about as a pastor, you know how frustrating that is? When you see, I mean, okay, man, Larry's one of my best friends. If he never got his sight back, I ain't worried about him. He's going to follow Jesus. That's not what it's about for him. It's about God getting the glory and the honor. But you talk to me about babies in an abusive situation, I know something about that. I know something about that. I know something about seeing kids in abuse and rescuing them out of abuse. And when they're stuck there and they can't get out, it's frustrating. And where are you, God? But did they stop praying? No. We kept praying. Did they get discouraged? Did they get frustrated? Did they have setbacks? Yes. And we would come together as the church body and we would encourage them and we would pray again. God, intervene, do something supernatural. And do you know what God did? He stepped in and he rescued those babies and they're not in that situation anymore. That's our God. That's the supernatural work of God. That's what he did here for Peter. It's what he wants to do for us in all of our lives. Man, I wish I could tell you there was a shortcut to your defining moment. There ain't no shortcut. There are no shortcuts. There will be setbacks. And there will be struggles. But prayer, man, prayer sets you up for your defining moment. Let me pray for you right now. Father, in this moment, so many people in this room hoping and believing in faith for a defining moment in their life. They've had some setbacks and they've had some struggles. Maybe today, for you, you say, Brad, I've had some setbacks and I've had some struggles. Now, I want to I want to become a man of prayer. I want to become a woman of prayer. I, I, want, I want to get back in the game, and I want to trust God. I want to be known as a man or a woman of prayer. If that's you, would you just lift your hands so I can see you? Lift you all over the place. Yeah, hands, hands everywhere. You can put your hands down. I want, to, I want to challenge men. Men, I gave a challenge to you today to become a man of prayer in your home. And I mean that as sincerely as anything I've ever preached here. You can change the atmosphere of your family. You can change the atmosphere of this church. God has called you to be that man of prayer. If that's you today, you say, Brad, I want to be that man of prayer. I want to be that man in my home. Would you just pray for me today that I could become that man? Would you raise your hand just so I see who you are? Awesome. God bless you. Put your hands down. Father, for those who've raised their hands and they're crying out to you, pray that the spirit of the living God would fall on them right now. They would sense your presence, sense your spirit to help them in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their setback. God, that say, I'm setting you up for a defining moment. For the men in this room, God, raise them up. Raise them up to be mighty men of God. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to follow him today. It's just simply saying, I recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. I believe He died. I believe He has risen again. And I, but I know I'm a sinner. Listen, He came to die for your sin, to take that away, to make you new again. And I invite you right now just to, 
just to pray this prayer with me. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I've made a lot of mistakes, but man, if you are who you said you are, I believe you are, that Jesus is the Son of God. Would you forgive my sin? Take it away, God. Replace it with your Holy Spirit. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me. And this day, today, I commit to follow you. I commit to follow you, God. I'm going to turn from my sin, and I'm going to choose to follow you now, God. I want to learn your ways. I want to become the man you called me to be and the woman you called me to be. If you prayed that today, I'd just like to know who you are. I won't embarrass you or call you out, but I just want to know who you are so we know how to pray for you. Would you raise your hand if you made that prayer, your prayer today? I made a commitment to follow Jesus for the first time today. Just raise your hand. Okay, I got you. Anybody else? I, I prayed that prayer to receive Jesus today. Thank you. God, for those who've committed their lives to you, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.